Hello and welcome to a special Dynamite podcast. I'm Joe Ryband here with special guest Brett Matthews, writer of The Lone Ranger. The Lone Ranger is, of course, featured along with Battlestar Galactica Season Zero on Free Comic Book Day as part of the Dynamite FCBD flipbook. For more information on Free Comic Book Day, please visit www.freecomicbookday.com before May 5th. Welcome, Brett. Why don't you take a minute and introduce yourself and give us a rundown? <laughs> All right. Hey, Joe. Uh, my name is Brett Matthews. I'm obviously the writer of The Lone Ranger, um, a book I really enjoy doing. Uh, I'm a screenwriter. I live in Los Angeles. And, uh, you know, I'm about six feet tall, Joe. I got brown <laughs> hair. Um, and, you know, that's what I know. So, yeah, comics are sort of something I do uh, on the side, but but something that I love to do. So. And what were you doing before the Lone Ranger on the comic book side of things? On the comic book side, I've done you know stuff from Marvel, uh, some Spider-Man, Daredevil stuff. Um, you know, uh, doing Serenity uh, with Joss Whedon, which is a blast. Uh, did a story last year, doing a new one uh, that'll be out this year uh, in the Serenity universe. Uh, you know, which comes off a show called uh, Firefly. I used to work on so. Um, you know, that's sort of what's going on in, in the comic world these days, and obviously uh, the Lone Ranger, front and center. Which is obviously a passion of yours and a passion that was rewarded uh, recently, you and the entire creative team, with the uh, two Eisner Doms. And on behalf of ourselves, um, to you, we will say congratulations. I know that we uh, we shared that information a couple weeks ago, and we're all looking forward to uh, uh, the Comic-Con to see what the outcome is of the uh, of the Eisner <laughs> nomination. I, uh, I'm not sure I'd put money on it, you know, but... Um, <laughs> Obviously, you know, congratulations to you guys as well. I think it's a big deal for Dynamite. You know, it's it's nice for us, but uh, certainly it's it's nice to see, um, you know, the an up and coming company sort of get rewarded. So, you know, thanks to all the people, thanks to the fans, and uh, certainly wouldn't be possible without you guys. Uh, you know, really trusting us creatively, and, and Dynamite's a great place to work for that very reason. And so it's it's. It's cool. I guess you know. I guess it's important. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, you know, things like that to me are less so, but uh, I think it matters, and it means people are obviously at least aware of the book. Yeah, know? yeah, absolutely. And we won't turn this into a mutual appreciation society, but I'll definitely <laughs> add that uh, that Brett is one of the hardest working writers that we work with in terms of um, pretty much every aspect of the book. He's got. Uh, He's he's there from start to finish. He doesn't just turn in a script and then and then wait to, uh, for his comps in the mail. He is definitely uh, a guiding hand, uh, along with, of course, Mr. Cassidy and Mr. Cariello, Mr. White and Mr. Boland, and and of course uh, on our side of things, but a guiding hand in making the Lone Ranger as great as it is. Yeah, it's a writing and directing gig, you know. But yeah, <laughs> uh, this is definitely a passion project, you know, for for a lot of people involved, and so. Uh, you know uh, that that kind of quality sometimes takes you know a little more time than we'd like, uh, obviously. But um, it's it's only because people really want to put the best book out we possibly can. So thanks for that. Absolutely, and I will add before we get to the questions that uh, Brett and I, before we started recording, we're actually just speaking on Lone Ranger number six, which we hope to be sending to press. Uh, this week, um, the uh, proof is all together for the most part, and we're just putting the finishing touches on. And number six has a few extra pages, as well as the wrap up of the uh, the first um, story arc. Was as a word. Do you want to tease number six a little bit, Brett, before we get into the questions? Yeah, I mean, number six definitely uh, finishes some things up. I, I think it's our best issue. Uh, I really do, and uh, uh, appreciate the the extra space we got to sort of flesh some things out and, and do it on the kind of scale and scope we wanted, but. You'll definitely uh, you'll get some closure on the Black Bart uh, of it all, uh, and you'll see 
uh, you know, hopefully by the end of issue six, you understand that you know a guy like the Lone Ranger exists. You know, this this character, this this thing, this Lone Ranger uh, exists in some form. You know, and and uh, while he's not uh, certainly the Lone Ranger of the TV show, he's not this big iconic guy. Um, he's sort of out there, and he's sort of figuring out his way in the world, uh, which isn't to say he's fully formed, because there's a lot more to do. But uh, you definitely get some closure. You definitely get uh, some things to come, and, and hopefully people enjoy it. I really like it. I think I think it came together very nicely. So, Absolutely, and I don't know if you want to tease the uh, – I'm putting you on the spot here, but I don't know if you want to tease the free comic book day uh, story a little bit, but that was – um, that'll be out this Saturday uh, as part of the flipbook. That's and right. If you Buy it on your way home from Spider-Man. Yeah, exactly. If you want to tease uh, tease Creed a little bit. Yeah, I think Creed is really fun. I mean, Creed's obviously a standalone story. Uh, you know, it's eight pages done in one. Uh, definitely softer than what I'm doing in the main book um, because we wanted something that all ages could walk into a comic shop and read. You know, didn't feel right about putting anything in. You couldn't have any kid off the street pick up and flip through. And, and so it's a little bit softer of a story, you know, and for kids that read sort of a straightforward little action yarn, you know, introduce the Tano and, and the Lone Ranger. And, um, at the same time, I think if you're an adult, uh, I think you can read it on a different level, and I think there's some greater meaning there. And obviously, um, you know, against the backdrop of, of the legendary Lone Ranger Creed by Mr. Stryker and, uh, you know, helps narrate the story so again it's sort of a way to bridge the old and the new um in a quick little tale that, that i think is a lot of fun actually i, I think uh, it came together pretty nicely and, and it's different but at the same time it's very true to what we're doing in the book so i'm really happy with it all wrapped up under a fantastic uh cassidy cover on that free comic book day piece as always you know yes. kind of a given yes kind of absolutely you know absolutely. I, I love his cover for number six you know i mean it's just you know, when when he does a bad one, I guess we'll tell you. Uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't hold your breath. And obviously, Sergio's interior, same team. You know, yep. white colors, and Simon Boland, who's a fantastic letter, sort of you know gets left out of the loop sometimes. You know, it's you know letters don't often get a lot of love, but he's uh, he's a fantastic guy to work with, and, and certainly makes my job a hell of a lot easier. So Simon is a good egg. Simon is a good egg. We were actually speaking of that before we recorded as well. We were. We were. Scout, Scouts honor. Um, so anyway, we opened up some questions for you um, on the uh, Lone Ranger forum. Um, we've had some regulars on the Lone Ranger forum pretty much from the get-go, from when we put out issue number one. There's been uh, a wide swath of opinion on uh, this take of the Lone Ranger. Some of the, uh, for lack of a better word, traditionalists have had their take, and some of the, the, the new fans have had their take. And for the most part, it's definitely a book that has everyone talking and has had everyone talking since issue number one. So we uh, opened up for some questions for this particular little podcast, and I am going to just take them in no particular order and read right down the line here and then let Brett say a few things at the end of each. So I will start uh, with this. I know you drew inspiration from different aspects of Lone Ranger history in the creation of your story. Are there any aspects of the legend you feel readers may not have noticed or that you wish in hindsight you had done differently? Well, let's see. I mean, obviously the influences come from everywhere. You know, uh, the, the radio show to me is sort of the most canonical uh, element. Um, but the TV show obviously factors in, and then you have, you know, written materials in previous comic books. And and so, you know, it's coming from a lot of places. At the same time, as you note, it is a new take. Um, you know, I almost think it's easier to answer a question by talking about things that, you know, right off the top you knew didn't fit. And for me, 
it's like Lone Ranger and Tano being guys that knew each other as boys, like was instantly the thing that, you know, uh, didn't make a lot of sense to me in this world, in this version of Lone Ranger. And, you know, uh, takes a lot of coincidence for, you know, two guys who knew each other as boys just to sort of happen upon each other, right. you know, at a time of need. And because this was going to be a more realistic, grounded take, um, you know, that fell out of it. But then my goal in general was to try to make as much of it work as possible, but at the same time keeping it real and keeping it grounded. You know, where does the first silver bullet come from? And, and in doing research on the Texas Rangers, you find out that, uh, you know, a lot of the Rangers' badges at that time were carved out of Mexican pesos. You know, they carved them themselves, and then you find out Mexican pesos were actually being minted in silver that time, and you go, thank God, you know, here's right. a... Here's a, here's a way in. Uh, you know, and the discovery of silver is a little bit more reeled up. It's a little different. But at the same time, it's, it's really very true. So wherever it was possible, I wanted to stay uh, true uh, to the mythos. And, and, you know, things like the mask are, are pulled very directly. Um, in terms of doing anything different, you know, honestly, no. Because, I mean, the, the good part about this book, I mean, for me, the great part about this book is there's not somebody looking over my shoulder and saying, oh, you can't do this, you can't do that, you know, be it from you guys in Dynamite who, who trust us really, you know, completely creatively, or from the, you know, overriding company, you know, uh, who, who own the rights. Classic has been very responsible, and I, and I think they've been bought since. Uh, right. But, you know, we haven't had that. So, you know, the we've been able to do what we want to do, and so there's really not a look back and say, oh, well, gee, I, I wish I had done that. And, and by the way, more to come. You know, you're, you're going to see a lot more things and a lot more elements, but... Uh, if I can fit it in, I like to. Now, you're going to see some diversions from, <laughs> you know, issue six. You're immediately going to see that some things aren't like the, the classical um, mythology. You're going to see probably the biggest diversion. I think that'll probably have people uh, talking at length the most. Um, but on the whole, we do try to fit things in there. We do try to fit a lot of little things in there, too. It's like when Black Bart first shows up, uh, in issue two, and he's behind the desk. It's like the nameplate on that desk has a name, but then it's BC Rail, which is pretty obvious, Bush Cavendish Rail, but I don't think a lot of people picked up on that. So right. we're constantly hiding, you know, little things here and there that pays off uh, down the line. So um, no regrets as of yet. You've got to stick to your guns, and I think you guys have done, you know, you in particular have done a good job despite, again, some of the more traditionalist commentary uh, coming our way, but again, as you said, this is a new take, and I think at the core, the essence of the character is still there, and that's probably the most important thing. Yeah, I mean, it is to me, and look, you're never, there's going to be a, a you know, portion of the community that no matter what you do, if you don't do it exactly as it was before, they're not going to like right. it. Now, to me, you know, I, I think the greatest respect you can have for something is to sort of not just do the same thing over again. It's like, well, you know, okay, Everybody loves a TV show. Everybody loves a radio show. That's great. You know, that, that's, you know it's, it's amazing, and I wouldn't change a thing about it, and that's why it's there. You know, and, and I wouldn't seek to just sort of glom onto that or ape it or, or just tell more stories, you know, because I think that those stories have been told, and they're wonderful. But, you know, this take is definitely somebody who, look, is a little younger, and, and you know, the Lone Ranger is someone my father idolized. And as a kid, it's pretty hard to get your head around, and it's taken sort of growing up and, uh, you know, this is the version of the character I understand. Right. And I think, you know, if traditionalists are sort of open to that interpretation, then, you know, I get a lot of, you know, great word of mouth from, from people liking it. But realistically, there's always going to be a, a, you know, set that just doesn't want anything different. And there's, there's really no winning. I mean, all you can do is apologize that this take isn't for them, but at the same time, it is what we wanted it to be. And, 
you know it's going to be a little controversial, but, you know, by and large, just the response we've had to it, I don't think that we've done the wrong thing, and, and there's obviously a lot of people willing to go for that ride. And by the way, it's a huge generation that has no idea who the Lone Ranger is. Exactly, right, right, right. And so I think, you know, giving what we all can agree on is a great character back to them is, is not unimportant uh, in its own way, even if it's not exactly the way uh, he was before. Good deal. This next one isn't so much a question. It actually uh, starts with a little bit of praise here and then gets into something that, that I want to expand upon a little bit, and I'll just dive right in. It says, I adore this series and hope you don't change one thing about it. It's the series I've always loved from a unique and fascinating perspective. I'm enjoying seeing the development of the boy into the Lone Ranger we all knew and seeing what molded him into the kind of man we grew to respect as a genuine hero. And the perspective of Tonto is one I'd never even considered. I love it. Question. I seriously enjoyed the director's cut issue, particularly being able to see all the notes to the artist. It helped clarify things that even the art didn't. Any possible way loyal fans can see the behind stuff, uh, behind the scenes stuff like that. And I will just say that uh, uh, Brett Scripps, once we had Sergio on board um, after issue one, as, as all the scripts rolled in, uh, Brett's scripts were, were wonderfully descriptive and, and very powerful in the fact that. Um, they really told, obviously, the story. And once Sergio's art was in place, um, at reading the script, you could imagine exactly what was going to go on to the page, obviously, with a few um, zigs and zags. But what about more behind-the-scenes stuff? You did the director's cut. I know uh, that turned out really well. I think you had fun doing that. Uh, maybe some more behind-the-scenes stuff? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, look, it's, it's all open. I mean, I think it's important to say that sort of what you read in the back of the director's cut is, that's actually the script. Right. <laughs> you know, that's, that's as I send it in. I mean, I know we've talked about uh, when we do the hardcover book, I think we're talking about maybe sticking a script in the back of there that's right. actually, you know, full format as you'd see it on the page and, and as I send it in to the artist and, and you guys and all that. And I think that would be, um, you know, kind of illuminating so everybody can kind of look at the, the ground level. I mean, I tend to write scripts more screenplay form, um, but... One thing I like is that I don't use a lot of words. I don't give a lot of dialogue to characters. Um, I like when people speak when they have to rather than run at the mouth a lot. But I think what the scripts give you an appreciation for is that it, it's all there, you know, because to me comic books are a visual medium. And mm-hmm. I want to tell the story through pictures, not words. Right. And yeah, it makes for a quicker read, but, you know, are you reading the book as closely or as carefully as you need to? I think we get a lot of information across visually because what Westerns are visual. I mean, they should be. It's about, you know wide in space and space and close-ups, and, and it's, it's a stylized genre. And so, um, you know, hopefully the script's giving you an appreciation for the fact that all that stuff is there. And at the same time, it, you know, grounds you a little more concretely, and you can maybe pick up on, on little things here and there uh, that you might have missed the first time around. Or, you know, it's, it's a constant process, and some things get dropped along the way or missed, or maybe we don't clarify them enough, or maybe it just gives you a, a better appreciation. Um, but... Uh, all that stuff's there, you know. It's it's there on the page, and I think, look, obviously, if there was a if there was a, an audience for it, and there's a market for it, I'm sure there's a way to put that stuff out and, and get it out there to people. But I do believe uh, we're planning on sticking the script for at least issue six into the hardcover, uh, and that'll be a good way to get an abridged, uh, you know, straight look at at what people see at the inception of of each issue. So. Good deal. I'm going to deviate from the script here because you mentioned westerns. I don't know if I've ever asked you this, but what, yeah, I'm putting you on the spot again. But what, what's your favorite western movie? My favorite? God, man, there's so many of them. Got to pick uh, one. Got to pick one. Desert Island Disc. Yep, only one. <laughs> Desert Island Disc. Uh, I might give you, God, 
the wild bunch. Okay. You know, it's really close. I mean, you know, the searchers is Oh amazing. my god, yes. Yeah. yeah, my darling Clementine is amazing. But I've also seen, you know, uh, I mean, that was one of the great things about going to school where I went to is was uh seeing a lot of these great old movies at Wesleyan with Janine Basinger who's who's a wonderful professor. But I mean you can see like the naked spur is very high up my list. And that's a movie probably not a lot of people have seen with Jimmy Stewart as a very embittered, hardened bounty hunter. Right. You know, at the end of his career. Yeah. Uh, so there's a lot of different films, but I have such an appreciation. I mean, Once Upon a Time in the West is, is Watershed, and it was actually the disc that I told Sergio, well, hey, run out and buy this. Right. When we first started to do this book, uh, things are going to look a little bit like this, and, and in terms of just the style. Um, but it changes week to week. I mean, I, I kind of love them all. I mean, I love High Plains Drifter. I love... Uh, you know, Outlaw Josie Wales and, and the Eastwood Westerns. Um, you know, so you actually have to go pretty far to find a Western I, I don't love. <laughs> you know, and Unforgiven is an amazing Western. I mean, uh, it's a shame we don't make more of them, but it's, it's just a genre I love. Good so. deal. All right. Let's see. Why did you choose to add the Black Bart character rather than make Cavendish the actual killer? I guess spoilers. Uh, well, no, we don't We don't need to worry about spoilers. But <laughs> That's right, because everybody's buying the book. Yeah, exactly. It's our huge circulation. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, I mean, you know, first of all, Cavendish is, uh, you know, in the original origin, Cavendish is a small-time thug. That was obviously a very different direction I, I want to go in, and I don't want to comment too completely uh, at this point in terms of why I think that's interesting, because I think that's something you're going to see play out. Yeah, there's more coming, so yeah, keep there's it. There's more coming, yeah, and Black Bart, you know, is a great way to sort of modernize an old villain, uh, finding a take that I thought was very interesting, because I think the thing that makes Bart work, and to my great surprise, people tend to like really like Bart, even though he's sort of a deplorable human being. <laughs> but the point being, he's actually an extremely sympathetic character mm-hmm. in his own way. You know, he's he's definitely a person who's not being treated right by society at that point in time. And and he has his own ethos, and, and there's a reason he is the way he is. And, uh, you know, which I always think makes the, uh, the most engaging villains. I mean, I don't think any great villain in their own mind is a villain. You know, I think that's very important. And so Bart's very interesting, but, you know... Bart's obviously not even involved in the killing of uh, the Rangers at the beginning of the series. He's just the guy cleaning up the garbage. Right. And so, you know, you'll learn a little bit about why that is in the first six issues of the series. And beyond that, we're going to learn a little bit more. What's intriguing to me is the idea of, look, if Bush Cavendish is a small-time thug and the Lone Ranger finds out who that is, he can lay hands on him. Mm-hmm. Not so hard, right? I mean, I mean, pretty easy. I can go find him. We can have a shootout. It, and we can deal with it. But, you know, what happens, Joe, when, you know, your father and family are killed, and I apologize for killing your family. No, it's okay. The Spanish phone call. Um, but then you come to me and I say, okay, Joe, I know who did it, and, and great, now I know who I can get my revenge on. And I'm like, it's the President of the United States. Yeah, exactly, exactly. How do you, the question then becomes, how do you lay your hands on that person? Right. You know, you're nobody in the grand scheme of things, how do you get your hands on this person? I think that's actually a pretty damn engaging question, and it's something we're going to explore. So hopefully that answers the question. Yes. Uh, let's see. Much of the origin story for John Reed slash Lone Ranger can fit neatly into one or more of Stryker's origin threads. The major divergence, however, is catalyzed uh, by the entire conception of Tonto. There is no hint in Stryker's work for this particular Tonto. Where did your perception of him come from? I think this Tonto rocks, by the way. So, obviously a fan. So, where where did Tonto come from? Well, you know, it always just really struck me as the only way to do it. And I get that it's a very, you know, 
divergent take, and it's it's sort of fresh and original, but it kind of never occurred to me to do it any other way. I mean, look, there's some switch-arounds. You know, I, I've always seen Tano as older. Like, I've always wanted to see the Lone Ranger learning from Tano rather than the other way around. I want to do a younger Ranger. I want to do a story of, of this kid becoming this thing, you know. I, so I always knew from that perspective it was going to be different. Um, and then, you know, again, it's just being... Look, you can't do the Tano of the classic series. I mean, I think that would be grossly irresponsible right? at this point in American history. I think it would be bad for the world. Uh, and, you know, you can argue whether it was back then. or You know, times were different. Yep. So, you know, even then you could, you could have viewed it as a progressive take back in the day, depending on sort of on what your politics are or, or how you interpret things. So I don't think it's that different. You know, it's, it's just continuing that trend of a sort of very progressive take on the character. And I needed to understand, you know, you know, the violence uh, of the West, and, and that's something that, that is at issue, you know, because, look, when the Lone Ranger is slain and he sees his father and his brother and all his friends killed in front of his eyes, I don't think it makes any sense for him to dust himself off and say, look, you know, I'm going to find these men, I'm going to bring them to justice, and I will never kill anybody. Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. That's not a human response, you know. His, his gut reaction is, I am going to find these people and I'm going to kill them. Okay, well, that, that at least we understand, and it becomes emotionally accessible. So what becomes interesting, then, is how does that turn, and, and how does he fall away from that way of thinking? And, uh, you know, how does it come to inform Tano's beliefs, uh, you know, such that they are? You know, Tano would be very loath to tell you he believes in anything. So, you know, it drives him crazy that he has this fundamental belief in this kid. You know, it, it drives him nuts. So, um, look, it was a bold take, but it became uh, it became pretty apparent from the beginning that was the way to go. Once, I mean, we have the early sketches where it's a lot more traditional, mm-hmm. you know, and we just, you know, n- no, you know, go further, go further, and, and keep pushing Sergio to get to a place, you know, forget the past. Of yeah, you, you pushed him. You pushed him towards towards pure realism with Tonto. Well, I just, I said we're never going to see Buckskin. Right. On right. Now, that's very important. Like, never going to happen. There will be no fringe. There right. Will be no feathers. You know, it's a. It was just that was what you know to stay away from because to me Tonto was a nomad. Tonto was a man without. Uh, you know, religion, so to speak, without affiliation at this point in his life. Now, did he have affiliation before? Did he, I mean, these are the larger questions that, you know, we'll certainly visit down the road. But I definitely think Tano is a guy who's who the less we know about his past at this point, the better off we are. And this was the responsible way to do it. And beyond that, this was a way, way to make him a great character and not a sidekick. Yeah, and I, I definitely think you succeeded. I mean, I, 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 forgive me, I forget what issue, but the um, the, the usage of the of the uh, his his famous TV catchphrase, the the how. Uh, yeah, first page, second issue. Yeah, there you go. The way that you yeah. the way that you played it off, it was it was it was really, and again, not to uh, not to join the mutual appreciation society, but it was a very um, very clever usage uh, of something from the old, but making it totally your own and, and totally the book's own. You it's know? really important to hit people with that up front. The yep. first time you see Tano, you know, beside the end of the first issue, shows you pretty directly that this is not going to be yes. uh, what your expectations are of the character. And by the way, the first time the Lone Ranger sees him, the first thing he tries to do is blow Tano's brain. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, people sort of forget, but, you know, uh, uh, John Reed confronted with an Indian in the middle of nowhere and a little delirious. Yeah. You know, is is um, so it's definitely a different take on the character. But you're right; that was definitely 
sort of the line in the sand to let people know from from the very first moment that this was going to be a little bit different. And by and large, I, th- I think people appreciate that difference. I think people are certainly ready for it. So, all right, moving on. We let's see. I absolutely love the series and enjoying this new take on the Lone Ranger legend. I'm curious though as to what led to this reimagining of the Ranger. The Lone Ranger was practic- uh, practically a forgotten character in the mainstream, at least. Uh, what made you decide this was a project you should do? And I'll I'll step in for one second and say that. That you know, I think uh, it was it was John Cassidy and and um, and our publisher Nick that that kind of zeroed in on on getting the Lone Ranger license. But then, of course, uh, we'll pick up here and say when you came on board, what was it that made you know you want to do it? What was it that that made this so appealing for you? Well, John and I had wanted to do something together because we're buddies, and you know we sort of been kicking, you know, just sort of talking about oh, I'd be need to do this, and and he had this thing and. You know, I have a lot of past with the Lone Ranger. I mean, I, I grew up with a father who's, who's, you know, not obsessed with it, but, I mean, it was like the thing he loved was the Lone Ranger. Um, and as a kid, of course, because you're, you know, you don't want to get, you know, what your father's into or you don't really understand it for whatever reason, you know, Lone Ranger doesn't make that much sense to you. But as I've gotten older, you sort of find a way to appreciate it. You find your own way into it. And John and I had a very similar take on, on the character in, in a very similar you know, desire uh, to go forward uh, with something that was a little bit different. And to me, that was what was important was, I mean, what was great about it was, you know, calling Nikki. I mean, it wasn't a big old, oh, well, you got to sell me this. It was like, look, if you want to do this, it's yours, and uh, you can do it how you want to. I mean, my concern was, look, I want to do it, but it's not going to be classic Lone Ranger. And, and, you know, if you want to do that book, I'm certainly the wrong guy. And and to his unending credit, he has been nothing but supportive of a take that that's very risky on some level and and i think it's worked out but not an easy thing to pull a trigger on in the beginning but right, you never know you never know that you're going to get that buy-in when you're going in a different direction oh uh, yeah i mean it's definitely the least safe route you can go yep. you know because we weren't pitching oh well it's just a reimagining to be a reimagining like we were pitching a pretty profoundly what we felt was a a, a way into the character I, mean, I, I always say i want to tell the story of john reed not the lone ranger like i want to tell the story of john reed becoming the lone ranger right. you know and and he's never really going to be that guy, you know. He's building to to becoming that icon, but at this point, like he's a mixed up kid, and he's trying to figure the world out. And so that was just to me. I mean, where it come from? It was the take that is the only thing that made the character make sense to me. You know, it's it's uh, that was my way into a mythology um, that was much more sort of uh, you know classical and much more set in stone and. And I want, definitely wanted to get behind the mask a little bit and, and wonder, you know, to me, you can say Lone Ranger, you know, doesn't kill and Lone Ranger has silver bullets and big white horse named Silver. And I go, okay, but why? Right. You know, and that's what the book's about. And, and hopefully people enjoy that. So uh, for me, it was just the only way in. And, and by the way, you know, John and I would talk and we'd say, look, I don't get what's cheesy about the Lone Ranger because that's sort of where the image had become, you know. Right. Oh, he's this big guy in a cheesy blue suit and like, we sort of didn't see that image. We we thought there was a way to make it really cool and a little scary and, and kind of dark and, and interesting, but ultimately at its core, the same. And by the way, I mean, you remember at the beginning, people thought we were crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you, what you have to do is, is just show them, you know, because the talk is cheap at the end of the day, and you just sort of have to do it. And, and luckily we were able to, so uh, that that's where we are now. Well, that's a good segue into um, our second to last question here because I, I know this this one is is a little bit a little bit of a loaded question I think to some extent but I'll I'll just I'll just go ahead and read it. 
I know the upcoming free comic book day number zero is based around the Lone Ranger Creed. The Creed and the character uh, guidelines laid down by Fran Stryker and George Trendle were very, very important in the Lone Ranger's past. How much weight and influence do these carry in the current series? Well, I mean, the fact that I'm doing a story about it and and teaching it very, you know, dominantly within that story obviously means that it means something. Now, when you go to Free Comic Book Day and you pick up that story, you'll see, again, I've tried to find a way to, to make it of that world. You know, where does this creed come from? Because realistically, we don't live in a time where people write down you know, life missions and, and rules and, and their own personal Ten Commandments and live by them. That, that makes less sense. But I really found a way that I think makes it very organic for the Lone Ranger to, to know this creed and to have it. Now, at the same time, I think that, look, the creed would be something that the Lone Ranger would struggle to live up to himself because he's human and he's not perfect. And, and he's not that TV character where he's just carved out of stone and, and uh, that's just the way he lives his life and it's easy. No, it's a struggle and it's hard and it's, again, this, this notion of, of legacy. Um, but, yeah, it, it matters to us. It, it's important that it's there. Um, at the same time, it's like, you know, the Lone Ranger is going to be a real character, and there's going to be some dirt on him. And, yeah, I mean, you know, he, he drinks in the first six series. He curses. Like, that's obviously stuff you wouldn't do, you know, with the classical take. But, again, he's a human being, and right. we really want this version of the character to be a human being. But at the same time, the creed is a very real thing, and it is something that he, you know, he knows. And so I think that was really the point of the free comic book story is to say, look, I understand that this is important. This is important to people. It's important to me. I think it's important to the character. But I definitely think it is a mantle that he is trying to find a way to live up to. It's almost an impossible set of ideals that he is working real hard to find a way to make his life such uh, that he can live by him. And, you know, mind you also, Joe, it's like the creed. When you look back at it, it's like... <laughs> You know, the the one thing that, you know, it's like a great sort of moral guide, but at the same time it's all, you know, man and himself and he. Right. And, and there's certainly no mention of women or, right. you know. <laughs> I mean, so in its own way, I think as soon as we, you know, put something up on a mountain to hold up, you also got to realize that, hey, there were problems at that time too. It came from a different place. It came from a different place. came from a different time. Yep. Exactly right. And so what I'm just trying to do is bring that stuff forward. But. You know, it is definitely something that's important. Hey, you know, we did a whole story about it, and I really hope people uh, enjoy the way it's been contextualized, but, but definitely know that it's something that's on the Lone Ranger's mind and exists in our world. So definitely one of the hardest things to, to fit in at the outset, and I'm so glad this free comic book story came around because it was sort of the perfect time to, to do it and the perfect way to introduce it. And at the same time, you know, tell a cool little action-filled story that I think has something much larger as larger on its mind. I mean, uh, you know, this this issue was done certainly before the Virginia Tech uh, right. incident. But, you know, that's the stuff that's out there. So I think as an adult, you're going to read it, and it's going to work on a, a much more different haunting level. So um, hopefully that answers that. Now, I think I know the answer to the last question here, um, and I'm going to ask it anyway. Are we likely to see the Lone Ranger, uh, at least your answer, are we likely to see the Lone Ranger and Tonto in any crossovers? No, <laughs> that's my answer. Yeah, I know when when we announced Zorro, that was the first thing. But of course, we have we have a t- we have timeline issues with that in particular, as well as you know. Uh, again, just I'll, I'll get back to to your emphatic no in a second. But you know, we're we're not going to do anything that doesn't make sense with any of our characters, and I think that's one of the things that our creators know as well is that we don't want to just. Uh, 
we don't want to just do things that don't make sense, you know? Yeah, I mean, look, it's like, that's like the, the, the fanboy fantasy. And, like, I'm a fanboy, too. So I'm like, wow, Lone Ranger Zorro. Um, believe me, it's crossed my mind. But ultimately, I think, look, you really need to find a reason for that to be, and you really need to find a way to make it work. And, right. Um, you know, in a lot of sense, I mean, the same, you know, notion, it's like Zorro really is a version of the Lone Ranger. <laughs> Crossovers are interesting when, you know, there's a difference of ideology. Right. You know, but when you have the same guy, it's like they're not going to have much to argue about. You know, they're kind of going to be like, yeah, I don't kill people. Do you kill people? <laughs> no, I don't kill people either. It's great. You use a sword, I use a gun. Um, but look, our Lone Ranger is a very important character in everybody over there. And so, uh, you know, I think we got a long way to go to sort of defining what he is by himself. So in terms of my radar, it's it's definitely not something that that's on my mind outside of the initial knee jerk. Oh, wouldn't it be cool if, you know, wouldn't it be cool if we got the rights to the, the Green Hornet, you know, and we right. do that crossover, you know, um, there's a story I think you could actually do. You know, you obviously couldn't cross them over, but that role of legacy between the two histories is oh, absolutely fantastic. Yep. So you could definitely do a story that went from one time period to the other, but obviously not a crossover proper. Right. Um, but at the same time, you know, until you, you step back and you say, do I really need this? You know, it's, it's, it's you know, I, I think it's, it's like if you're on a diet and there's a piece of chocolate cake in the fridge. You know, it's fun while you're doing it. Yeah. Uh, but then you're kicking yourself after probably. And right. I think it has that feeling. And, and right now we're definitely still looking at building this character from the ground up. So, I, you know, I, don't, I think the answer would be that we don't have immediate plans. Um, or at least I don't uh, with the Lone Ranger for certain. Um, but I understand why it's uh, the big dangling character. It is. It is. It is, absolutely. But, no, I, I, I knew your answer to that. And I think, I think the most interesting thing, and, again, we do not have the rights to the Green Hornet, but if that were to happen, I mean, it's certainly been something we've all discussed. I know it's a different conversation. You've thrown a couple of nods uh, to that lineage um, in the series, so uh, we definitely acknowledge it, but there's just nothing we can do about it at this particular point in time. But everyone can still think, oh, boy, wouldn't that be cool? So. And it would be, I guess, you know, it's just what does it mean? Right. I mean, that's always what matters is, you know, it'd be cool. Cool is not enough. Right. You know, it's, it's got to have a, a purpose and a meaning. And, again, Zora and Lone Range are very similar. So um, I, I'm more interested in seeing, you know, how you guys handle Zoro and how that comes about and, and what the take is there instead of how do these two characters meet. Um, and that's our goal, too. Um, and we're actually uh, we're moving towards uh, announcing a creative team on uh, Zorro that should get some people scratching their heads and, uh, in a good way. Um, and we're going to be concerned about building that while we're concerned about doing more Lone Ranger with you guys. You know, and, and uh, those, those two things need to exist, and they need to, uh, to be out there for the fans. And uh, there's no, no plans to instantly throw them together or any other characters that don't necessarily make sense. Yeah, I mean, that's just a really long way of us saying no. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. So we'll end on the negative, but it's actually a positive, and I'll, uh, that'll do it. I'll say thanks to Brett um, and for everyone that wrote in with a question, and don't forget to pick up your copy of the Dynamite Free Comic Book Day flipbook featuring the Lone Ranger and, of course, Battlestar Galactica on Saturday, May 5th at participating comic book shops. Brett, any closing words? No, I mean, outside of thanks to uh, people who read it, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's certainly a labor of love for all involved, and, and it's a book we believe in, and so um, it's been sort of overwhelmingly positive. You know, you're always going to have people who, who don't like a more modern take on a classic character, but God, you know, everything I, I hear 
uh, from people I run into is, has been positive. So just thanks for the support, and uh, thanks to Dynamite for letting us do uh, this crazy little book. And, and if you like it, you know, give it to a friend. You know, check it out. Absolutely. Thanks again, Brett. You bet, Joe. Take care. Okay.